In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who gives us the Word so that we might know the message. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as I mentioned before, I just got back from Guatemala. And the thing that I did not expect uh, about my trip to Guatemala was that I was going to be the Spanish language expert. Because that is certainly never my role here. Uh, I have a whole whopping four years of high school Spanish under my belt. Um, that means that I know enough Spanish to be dangerous in most situations. Um, uh, however, um, uh, compared to everybody else on our mission trip team, I was a genius en español. I could kind of make out what other people were saying. I could kind of get across what I wanted to say to uh, certain kids and, and things like that. And yet, at the same time, I found myself with my, found myself saying very often uh, a particular phrase in Spanish. I would say either, como se dice? Which is, how do you say blank? So, como se dice? And then I would point. Or I would say, que es el pala la palabra? And uh, that is, what is the word for? And then I would point. And I was doing this with kids that um, uh, were, you know, first grade, second grade. That was about the level of my Spanish. And even then, at one point, I said, um, uh, mi español es muy pobrecito, and, uh, which meant that my, my Spanish is very poor, and this first grader said, claro que sí, um, <laughs> which is, of course it is, <laughs> like, I'm hearing this, this is tough for me. And it gets at that idea of, of uh, how frustrating it is to have a message that you just can't get across because you don't know the word. And if you've ever been in that situation, if you travel internationally or if you've just met somebody uh, here in the United States and you've been trying to have a conversation with them and you, you struggle at some point in your conversation because the, your languages just aren't matching up and then you start to play this game of charades and you start to try to figure out and then um, the, the interesting thing a lot of times is once you get to a certain point then you just try to say whatever you're saying louder as if they didn't hear you the first time but you, you, that's the only thing that you have left in your tool belt to try to get across your message. Well, that's kind of what's happening on the first Pentecost Sunday as the Holy Spirit comes with this loud rushing wind and you see the tongues of fire appear over the heads of the people that are in that building, about 120 of them. And you go, wow, that's pretty amazing. But then even more amazing than that is that they go out and they start to speak the Word of God, and they start speaking the Word of God, and something miraculous happens. 
And the miraculous thing isn't that there is a big tornado in the middle of Jerusalem. The miraculous thing isn't even necessarily that there are tongues of fire over people's head. The miraculous thing is that that sense of frustration that we all know all too well and that I definitely know after the past few days that we, that we spent in Guatemala, that sense of frustration was gone. That these people were talking and the barriers to language were erased. So that Median and Parthians and Jews and everybody else could understand what was being said. They could get the message. Even somehow without getting the words. Because these were Galilean fishermen who were probably most well-versed in speaking Aramaic. But all of a sudden, the Aramaic didn't become the most important thing. The most important thing instead was the message. Today, we're rounding up our sermon series on Luther's seven marks of the church with this mark of the church, this mark of the church that Luther actually put at the beginning of his list and we're using at the end of our list. And this mark of the church, Luther said, is the word. He said, if you are going to a church and you go through this checklist of different things that they have, but they do not have the word of God, well, then what, what you have isn't church. It's something else. But it's not church. And the reason that we have this at the very end of our series is that it sums up everything about the series. Because in a lot of ways, what we do as church is that we drink deeply from the Word. And that the Word operates in our lives in a manifest number of different ways. And so we went through these seven marks of the church, or six up until now. But each one of those had an element of the Word in it. And if you took out the element of God's Word, of Scripture being a part of those things, that they would all of a sudden get really strange and they wouldn't be church anymore. And so if you think about that, if you have that first mark of the church after this one, the confession and forgiveness of sins but you don't have that attached to God's Word, you have something where you go, well, maybe that guy said that my sins are forgiven, but does God really forgive those sins? And if you don't have something clearly from God's Word that says that when I say your sins are forgiven, then you're just left maybe trusting me, maybe not, but trying to work that out on your own. And then when it comes to baptism, what we understand about baptism and what's going on there is that what happens is that God reaches out through his word combined with the water to make us Christians. 
And if you don't have the word there, all you have is water. All you have is a bath. But if you've got the word there, it makes it a baptism. Then the next mark of the church, Holy Communion. There's a reason that every time that we celebrate communion, that I don't just get up here with some bread and some wine and go, looky here, this is bread. Looky here, this is wine. Or just, okay, it's communion time. Everybody, you know what to do. But instead what I do is I say a few words of Scripture that come directly from Jesus' mouth about what that sacrament is. And then it gets to our public praise and worship, which also is centered around this word. There's a reason that we have Scripture right in the middle of this service, that what is happening here is that we're taking a look at what is in God's Word so that we can use that as something to pray around, so that we can experience what God is trying to tell us in real time and then center our worship and our prayers around those things. Even to the point of when it comes to my job and the office that I hold, that next mark of the church, the office of the holy ministry, that what I am supposed to do is make sure that I am tied to God's Word so that I can communicate that to you. So that finally, when it gets around to that very last mark of the church that Luther put down, the possession of the Holy Cross, suffering, that we can know that even in the midst of our greatest struggles in life, the struggles that happen in every one of our lives, whether that be the struggles in our relationships, whether that be the struggles in our vocations, whether that be the struggles with anything else that is going on with us, that we know that we can hold on to that word. But how do we hold on to that word? We hold on to that word, we understand that word through the work of God's Holy Spirit. And what God's Holy Spirit is doing here at Pentecost is actually just a preview. It's like the trailer for what is going to happen in the rest of Christian history. And so what you have happening here in Jerusalem at this very first Pentecost is what is supposed to be happening in every Pentecost after. That what the Holy Spirit is doing is He is giving His Word to be proclaimed to people of all kinds of different languages, of all kinds of different backgrounds. Because, let's be real, Scripture sometimes... Well, it's a lot of times it's not very understandable right off the top. In fact, that's the reason for this thing, the sermon. It's supposed to be that we read this text and then that I get a chance to kind of explain what is happening in that text as a way to say this is what's going on in 
the text, in the Word. But it's not just me. Right here in Acts, it says that God is pouring out His Spirit on all of us. It, in fact, even starts off with this weird Old Testament reading where it talks about these other guys that are kind of rogues and they're off prophesying and Joshua comes up to Moses and he says, Moses, there's a problem. There's copyright infringement over here. These guys are prophesying in the Spirit and Moses goes, I wish everybody would. Which finally happens at the day of Pentecost. Because at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's work is not just isolated to my job. But the Holy Spirit's work is in each and every one of us. That each and every one of us can talk to our neighbor and can begin to contextualize and frame what the story of Scripture means to us and what it means to them. And that doesn't have to mean that it goes across a language barrier. But it simply needs to go across a human barrier. A life-to-life barrier. Where it starts off with us simply understanding what's going on with the other person and trying to see how they are grappling with what's going on here. I was lucky enough to have this guy in Guatemala named Sammy. Sammy was our team translator. And Sammy was my best friend. Because when I got stuck, I could go to Sammy and just speak English to Sammy and go... How do I say this? Or can you say this for me? Or how, what, what goes on here? Or what are they saying to me? We get to be Sammy. We get to be people that translate what this good news is that we know to the people around us, to our neighbors, to our friends, to the people in our office, to the people in our classes. That's what this day is all about. That we can celebrate that that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. So that one day we can celebrate that at the end of all time, we will have an experience like that first Pentecost. Where we are all gathered together in the resurrection, at the, in the throne room of God. And we are all singing praises and talking to one another. And there is no frustration of language. Because we all know the same message. So now, may you this week hold on deeply to the message. And may you figure out a way, perhaps, to explain it in the language of your neighbor. Amen.